Wait, I'm going to tell you, James, we did that on purpose. We absolutely knew that. If I can say what I want to say, I say I want to blow you away. Welcome to the original doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. On the show, we go through the iconography of so many superstars and breaking it down with the people who helped create these iconic songs. And at the same time, we give back to charity. For more information, just go to our website, www.theoriginaldoll.com. And while you're there, don't forget to join the community on Patreon. Big shout out to my supporters on Patreon. I truly appreciate you. And because of you, you keep this train on the tracks. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it to the webmaster. And many of you also ask, what's that song going on behind you right now? That is my theme song, Iconography. My name is James Rodriguez. This is The Original Doll. I, I want to welcome you first and foremost, you know, Lauren, for just joining us today on the original doll with James Rodriguez. Thank you so much for being here today and spending time with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, James. It's a pleasure to be here. This has been fun because you are a creative who has been across so many different iconic albums. And what I did was I wanted to create an outlet for the fans of your music to send in letters of love to me that I can share with you and we can learn more about these songs and revisit. And this is the best part. So many times people may say, wait, I didn't know she worked on that song. And I go, that's okay. New ears on old songs is always okay. So I created this and here's what's even better. Every question that you answer, we get items donated to charity. So for every question you answer, we get items for women and children, domestic abuse shelters, homeless LGBT plus teens and more. So thank you for spending time and just Amazing. answering questions. Oh my gosh, it's what a wonderful thing you're doing for the songwriters and to help people. It's so great. Thank you. Now, many of you may say, James, I think I know who that is. Well, it is The Voice and today's guest is producer, songwriter and recording artist, Lauren Christie. Now, many of you may know that name. You also know her as part of that fantastic production creative team known as The Matrix. And we're going to be talking about her work with Avril Lavigne and Britney Spears. Now, this very special episode, make sure that you subscribe right now on whatever streaming platform you're utilizing, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Amazon, because this is a two-part interview. We couldn't get everything all in one episode, so it's going to be two parts, so make sure you subscribe. Now, many people say, James, what days do these get released? Well, the release date changes as we're going globally, working with publishers globally. So we're hoping within 48 hours of the release of part one, you're going to hear part two, but make sure you subscribe so you get notified right away. Now, here's my conversation with Lauren Christie. Well, and I think the thing is, you know, somebody like you who has had her own career, somebody who, who's been involved in so many different facets of the music industry, I think what's been great is the letters of love that I've gotten from listeners are all over the place, which I think is a testament to your talent across all those genres. I had people from, you know, contacting about Iggy, Avril, Enrique, uh, Ashley Parker Angel, Melissa Gaft, like all these people. And it's just one of those that you just go wow, you've really touched upon so many different artists in so many different genres and so many songs that are still loved. So just a big shout out to you. Thank you so much for, for just creating. It's been a blast to visit your discography. Thank you. Thank you. It's been such a, a wild ride and you know, such a blessing to get to do music for a living. 
Well, and that's let's let's take that all the way back. When did music become a part of you? When did music start speaking to you as an outlet? Um, okay, well, basically, when I was about I don't know four or five years old, I became obsessed with becoming a ballet dancer, and so um, it was ballet classes, and I just found that like you know, just listening to the music, I just couldn't sit still and that carried on until I was um, so serious about it that I auditioned for the Royal Ballet School didn't get in but at the um, audition I met this wonderful girl Gwenda Corabritz who's still a friend of mine today and her mom said we're going the next audition we're going to is this school Bush Davies I went and auditioned for this other school Bush Davies which was kind of very parallel to the Royal Ballet School they would like take students feed into the Royal Ballet and then swap them out and so it was the sister school and I got in and I couldn't believe it because I didn't think I was that good um but I got in and then I had to go to boarding school and on my first day at boarding school at Bush Davies I met this girl Michelle Hatch and her father was a famous songwriter called Tony Hatch and he'd written Downtown for Petula Clark and Don't Sleep in the Subway Baby and I was like hang on a second that's a job being a songwriter I couldn't believe it and I'd had also done piano lessons so I was like so how do you write a song and she said oh, it's easy you do this and we sat down together at the piano and we wrote this great song called sick of sick of your trick um and we were 11 when we wrote that and so anyway Michelle went on to do acting and other fabulous things but it stuck with me that wow you know um I was very serious about the dancing but at the same time I started writing songs and by 13 I had a accumulated quite a few and my brother had a best friend George McFarlane um who had a record deal and he had a recording studio and my brother Stephen God bless him love him so much he asked his friend to do some demos for me so suddenly at 14 I had seven demos that were amazing the school heard them loved them made put them in all the shows did choreographies to them um <laughs> you know it was like I felt like I was a professional songwriter at 14 and so suddenly ballet seemed incredibly disciplined and boring to me compared to this new world of music and I just went full throttle into to being a songwriter and um by by 17 I left school by um 19 I got signed to EMI publishing by Alan Jacobs and by 22, I realized, hang on, I need someone to sing these songs and I might as well sing them myself. I can sing a bit. So by 22, I had a record deal with um, Atlantic Records with John Carter, who's the guy behind Tina Turner. I'm um, at that whole What's Amazing. Love Got To Do With It record. Um, they signed me without even meeting me. It was amazing. And um, that all went pear shaped because they let everybody go at the company and I was in the middle of making my record and at that point John Carter God rest his soul he um, took my my record to Tom Vickers and Ed Eckstein at Mercury Records and said you've got to go and get her off the label at Atlantic and bring her to Mercury Records and I came out to America with a record deal with Mercury uh, when I was 23 and that was the beginning really of my you know it was a long ride to get to Okay, the starting point. And so that was it. I came out to LA and I've never left. I've gone back for holidays to England because it's my, you know, I love, it's my roots. Um, but I've been in LA ever since. 
see, this is the part that I think is amazing is that here you are like 14 years old going, I'm just going to do this sort of thing. And then you're like, oh, wait, this is, you know what I mean? This is to have enough maturity because I know I didn't I'd be like whatever what am I doing I have no idea you know what I mean I'm bored with that let me just move on to the next thing but that you created something and then followed through with it to the point that even at 14 then going all the way to 23 those are definitive years for for all of us and you've seen the highs and the lows during that whole time too and, oh, and I could, <laughs> so the, the funny thing is the, the amount of questions I get it's like Please give her a big hug. Some of these songs are so deep. Some of these songs show like she's overcome things like over and over all these things. Yeah. And what I yeah. think that I've liked in, in in hearing this is you were a creative. You just thought maybe the ballet thing is for me and then realized, you know what? After looking outside of it, you're like, that probably wasn't the best you know thing for you at that time. No, it wasn't. It was the music I realized that drove me. I just felt so much and I thought it was dance. But then I realized, no, I can actually create the music and I can write about what I'm going through and, you know, be it good or bad. And so what an incredible thing to be able to do is just to sit down and pour your emotions into something. It's it's a wonderful gig being a songwriter, producer. It really is. how did that feel then? Because now you've you've made a huge career out of having other voices sing your words. How did that feel the first time ever you heard your words from somebody else? Do you know what I mean? Like there's you can do what you can do, and these other artists or these other singers might be able to do something. How weird was it or different is it to hear somebody else sing your words than what you're used to yourself? Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, to be honest, nobody else did record my words and um, my songs until I was thinking that my career was over. Because, you know, I, I made two albums and, you know, almost became really successful. You know, I had this song, The Color of the Night, and it was sort of on its way to blowing up. And uh, there's a there's a story, but I can't tell it um, as to why it didn't happen. It was kind of like a very left field thing came out and just knocked my song out of the way. Another artist was kind of like, no, nah, that that can't happen. It's in the way of my song. And they were pretty famous. But I can't name names. Um, so anyway, but we I, I do research here. And that was like the, the Golden Uh-oh. Globe, <laughs> the Golden Globe, right? Nominated yeah, song? I got a Golden Globe nomination and we were on our way to it becoming an international hit. As it is, it's huge in Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big star there. But um, it it was the turning point of me going behind the scenes. And yeah. um, so I think the first big song that I had was Ronan Keating. And it was a B-side on one of his records, um, Ronan from Boyzone, right? And mm-hmm. so that was the first time I heard someone sing a song I'd written. And I was like, incredible. This is so exciting. And then the first really big thing that happened was um, Ron Fair, who's a good pal of mine, um, took one of our songs called This Year and had Christina Aguilera record it on her Christmas record. And so for The Matrix, that was the first time, you know, basically after I decided after the two albums that I'd made and it wasn't happening, okay, I need to do something else. My ex-husband, Graham, and I, he was in a band, and he was in a band with Scott Spock. Who, um, it was called Doll's Head. And the three of us were just all sick of trying to make it. And so we were like, let's go behind the scenes, and we'll form this thing called The Matrix, which means 
the womb, if you look it up, there's, there's another exp uh, meaning of that word, the matrix, and we'll be like an incubation tank for artists. So that was the first thing that really happened was the um, Ronan Keating and then Christina Aguilera. And we just felt like we'd hit the jackpot um, having, and uh, back in those days, you know, an album cut on Christina Aguilera was huge. You know, it's not like with streaming today. Um, so we just, that was, that was the beginning of it. We were blown away. Well, and that's one of those things too, is that like, there was a specific time, like those B-sides were still such a thing as well. Like I get questions all the time. Can you talk to them about this B-side? Like with Pam Shane, she's like, people know that song. It's like, yeah, because like people that are buyers of, you know, CD singles or anything, you would always get that even you know, let's say old school now, like the the records or anything or the cassettes that had that other song. And I think what has been yeah. great is here you are, Ronan Keating, Christina Aguilera, who are two vastly different artists and huge in their own rights that it's like, wait, I would have never thought, wait, the same team did, because that was around the time where it's like, I felt like it was very pigeonholed. Like this group is only going to work with these boy bands and boy band and boy band. And then here you are working with two artists that are never competing with themselves in the songs or the singing or anything. And you did it. Now, here's what's great. We're going to hop on through. And these are a ton of questions for you. Compliments, letters of love. Uh, because the listeners, the great thing is the show's been going global. Like we've we've been charting on Apple Podcasts in over 60 different countries. And it's a testament of the music that you all make that people that don't even speak English, send in these, these letters of love. And many of them are like apologizing. They're like, oh, sorry for my bad English. And I was like, do not worry about like, we we get it, but that you've been able to be global. And so there are a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about. And one was, we're going to actually go a little bit before 2000 was Breed from the 1997 mm -hmm. Batman and Robin soundtrack. Timothy from Toronto said, James, the original doll. I know you love Batman. I do. The Batman and Robin soundtrack is so good. It has Jewel, Aria, Smashing Pumpkins, and Lauren Christie. Can you ask Lauren how her song got included on the soundtrack? Everyone else, if you love women who rock, check out James's email with the links that I send to purchase your music. She, you, is a rock goddess. So how did that song oh. come about? How did that get included? How wonderful. I was really fortunate on my second album to meet um, a wonderful manager and editor of Hits magazine, Lenny Beer. And he's just been a significant person in my life. And he pulled some strings and played my song. He loved the song, Breed. He was managing me at the time. And, um, and he, he knew some people there and played the song. And I had to be in a long list of people they were considering. And for some reason, they picked my song. And it was... Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, and that's yeah. one of those things I think the the listeners didn't realize is many people were like, I never understood how soundtrack songs or soundtracks were made. They were like, is it just one record company that puts it together? Is it just one person? And, and I go, there are some soundtracks where it's very specific within the label. You know, these mm -hmm. soundtracks, the Batman and Robin, and this was a time when soundtrack albums were huge and you know what I mean like Titanic was around you know that time 
So yeah, it was a big deal. Well, and Timothy and the rest of his his message, he said from there he followed you, and then he was so confused. He's like, the internet isn't like now, the Matrix. That he's like back in the day, you would try to Google, which they didn't have Google, but you would message looking up Matrix and it would pull up the movie, pull up the movie. And he's like, it was so frustrating, which I thought was hysterical. He's like, thank God, you know, for what we have now being able to see people and, yeah. and go through that. Uh, the other one is, by the way, we mentioned this year, Christina Aguilera. Since 2019, that song has charted on different charts in seven different countries just in the past handful of years. Not, not too shabby. And that's really? worldwide, which is amazing. Yep. Hopping out for a quick second. If you are a Christina Aguilera fan, make sure you check out my interview with some of the songwriters and producers who worked with her on her debut album and some later albums, including Lotus. Now back to the show. There were about 40 questions about this project. So here we go. Do you, can you guess what it is? No. This song and yeah. or this album, the Let Go album, in just the past two mm. years, went number yeah. one in Fiji on iTunes, number one on the pop charts in Japan, number one on the rock charts in Greece. The 20th anniversary went number three on the rock albums charts. And that was just in the past couple months. So this album, as we just celebrated the 20th anniversary, is still getting love. And listeners, I sent out links. The 20th anniversary edition, they did that Atmos Dolby sound. And what's great is that when you listen to it now, you hear your backgrounds clearly. You hear all of these other sounds that you were supposed to have which to me it's like a whole new song people are gonna be like wait what sound is that and this is why i say buy the digital buy the album put the headphones on and listen because there are so many great things i feel like that that the matrix would embed in there it's not as simple as one thing two thing three thing vocals there was always something a little bit different happening you could hear that in here so we have Denise from Canada said, Avril is the best whole album. It's iconic. Can you ask Miss Lauren Christie how she got involved in the album? It was a game changer here in Canada. It was the first time I felt like a rock chick could be cool. And some of the songs allowed me to be a weirdo, like anything but ordinary. It was part of my mental health in a great way. It made me feel okay to be me and not have everything need to be so basic. Thank you so much, Lauren. Wow. So... Our manager, Sandy Robertson, God rest his soul, he was managing The Matrix and um, he would just like just different artists coming through our door all the time. And um, we'd had some success, like I said, with with Christina and Ronan Keating, but we hadn't had like a, a big hit. So he called us and said, there's this young girl. She's only 16. She's been signed since she was 14 by L.A. Reid to Arista. Would you work with her? So we're like, sure. And we heard she was a writer, so we were like, fantastic. So um, she comes by the studio and she had like toothbrushes melted together, bangles, like six of them on her wrists. And we were like, <laughs> wow, this is this girl's so cool. And she was a little grumpy. Um, and I think it was because I think she felt like the music she was making was a little too soft for her. And she played us system of a down and she said, this is what I want to do. And I don't know if you remember system of a down. It was like heavy rock and, and she's gorgeous and so young. And we were just like, Hmm, how is that going to work being so young and pretty, but also wanting to rock out so hard. And so we just, the three of us in the matrix, we just really put our heads together and really, really thought about it. And I think the night before she came to actually do a session with us, we came up with a few ideas 
and just beginnings of ideas, you know. And um, and so we played her the beginning of um, the song Falling Down and the beginning of the song Complicated. And she walked in and was like, yeah, I like that. I like that. We might have had another couple and she didn't like them, but she's very much in charge, Avril. I've got to tell you, she's a great songwriter. And um, and so she she liked Falling Down, the beginning idea, and she liked Complicated. We di- dived right into it. And um, and from that point on, we just we wrote, I think, three songs in two days and one was falling down. One was complicated. I can't remember the other one. It might it might have been anything but ordinary. Um, had the best time. I have pictures of Avril and I lying out in the garden on a rug together. Um, I can send them to you if you want writing the oh, lyrics. Yeah. And um, it was it was just amazing. So she we then did the demo, sent them to the record label and L.A. Reid and Josh Sarabin, amazing A&R man, Josh Sarabin um, and L.A. Reid legend um, basically said, that's it. Now send her back there to spend the summer. And so we were like, what? She came back. We spent the whole summer having fun, writing Skater Boy, uh, I'm With You, all those songs. And um, sitting in my garden, writing lyrics, sit, sitting at her hotel on the roof terrace by the pool, uh, f- finishing lyrics. Just we were like sisters through that. We'd go and get our nails together, um, done together. And and while we were writing lyrics, it was, it was just an amazing whole experience working with Avril. And we weren't sure what was going to happen with it, but we knew that the label was really behind it. And um, and sometimes I always say it's, it's very rare this happens, but everything went right. Fantastic label. L.A. Reid says, OK, the first single's complicated. The second single's Skater Boy. The third single's I'm With You. We're like, what? This is exactly <laughs> what we would have picked. And um, and then it came out. I remember turning on TRL and seeing all these kids singing Complicated. And it just it just blew up. It became a sensation. And it. It was very exciting to be involved with something that went that big, you know. Um, it all my my prayers from when I was fourteen at boarding school of please look at one day can I be a famous songwriter. <laughs> it was like my, God came in and blessed us, and um, and Avril, we just it was it was really great. We're still very close to this day. Hopping out for a quick second to talk a little bit about this. Now, Avril Lavigne, many people say, James, how did Avril Lavigne actually get started? How did she come into the public's sight? Well, so many different things came to play. But back in 1999, Avril Lavigne won a radio contest to perform with mega superstar Shania Twain. Okay, now this is truly amazing. Now, Britney Spears has talked about her admirations for so many different female recording artists. Now, back in the TRL days, so many times people would pit female artist against female artist. They would say, you know, Britney Spears, what do you think of this person? Or this person, what do you think of Britney Spears? Now, when you fast forward years down the line, you see photos with Britney Spears and so many of these other artists that people were trying to pit them against, having a good time and showing appreciation. Now, Shania Twain just came up in an episode recently on The Original Doll, because Britney Spears worked with Mutt Lang, who is Shania Twain's ex-husband, but producer of many of her global hit albums. Britney Spears has talked about her admiration for Shania Twain. Many people say, James, is, are there any songs you would recommend that we take a listen to? Well, one of them that Britney Spears has mentioned before, The Woman in Me. Britney Spears has been an open book about 
her love of these artists and has mentioned with other artists in interviews during sessions about these other songs that have inspired her or that she just likes singing. So we're going to get right back to the show. Well, and that's one of those things that I think has been amazing. It's like, here you are, you started out like 14 years old and the universe is like, you know what? We'll save this for later. And then all of a sudden you're working with a 14 year old. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost like this, the universe is like, you know how to work with somebody. And I think that what I've loved hearing in so many times, I've been able to get to talk to those people who were with those artists early on, kind of helping develop that sound. Steve Lunt talked about, you know, working with Britney. He's like, the hard part is, he's like, the label may want A, the artist may want B, and then you have to figure out what what works with the artist, what are the capabilities? And Avril is somebody who right off the bat, I was thrown for a, a, a loop, a tizzy, because her vocals were so much stronger than I thought that they would have been. Like I was expecting this, like, cause the first time I saw like an image, I'm like, I don't know. And she's a, a couple years younger than me. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like her. And then I hear the song complicated and I'm like, I like that. Wait, that's her. And for me, I was like, I'm tuning in. And then I became, you know, a fan. I went to go see whenever, you know, she was doing any of the live promo touring and things like that. I got to do that. But the great thing is that album was so different and it separated itself from everything else that was out at the time. And I just think you all had that, that want, that kismic, that like the desire to actually make it a, a, a whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, which I think is awesome. Yeah. You know, also I feel like, um, you know, my last album, the one with Breed and um, Avril, I played it to her when we met and I said, look, you know, I come from doing female rock and I played her my song, I Want What I Want. And it always stuck with her. Finally, years later, she ends up recording I Want What I Want. With Charlie Midnight, I wrote that song. And um, he's a legend, my mentor. And um, so it was really familiar to me to step into this place of what she wanted to do. And I feel like quite a lot of the songs were just that DNA was in me of the the sound of what Avril's record should be. And, um, and of course, having, you know, Scott Spark and Graham Edwards from The Matrix, those masters at what they do. Uh, making records and the three of us together um, I recorded all the vocals for Avril and sometimes it was just her and I in the studio the the time when we recorded Complicated I remember we had this little house and we had this weird um, vocal booth with no windows in it just wooden just the whole thing was wood this big door we closed and she was in there and I remember just sitting and saying okay like try this try singing it now let's just do it this evening and and the first time she sang it down, I literally was like stuck to my chair. And I said, my God, I think that's it. And it was almost like a one take thing. And so I said, well, you better do it a few more times. And it was just so good. Her vocals were so amazing. It was on another level. I think somebody in Rolling Stone once said um, her voice can set off car alarms. You know, it's <laughs> so strong. 
And um, yeah, my experience with cutting her vocals was just uh, often I was just like pinned to the chair. See, I love this. Now, here's something. We have a question about complicated. And complicated everyone just a couple years ago. And I love giving the more up-to-date information because we all have gone through and seen how many different countries it went number one and everything. What I like doing is showing the impact it still has. The song just in the past two years went number two in Mongolia on iTunes. And just this decade, it is charted on iTunes in 67 different countries. A song what? that is 20 years old is still has still been able to chart on 67 different countries. And that's a testament of the the the, the music and, and what you've all created. Now, Andy from Germany said, Complicated is so good. Even now as an adult, I still connect with it. Thank you, Lauren C. Can you ask, were there any topics off limits for Avril since she was so young? Like, did Avril say, no, I didn't want to do a dance album? And what was the first song you completed for the album? Now, we know half of that. But were there any sort of topics that you were like, you know, we're just not going to go into? You know what I mean? Like, was there a point where you're like, uh, we're not going to have her do X, Y, yeah, and Z. Yeah, there was. There, there's a song called um, I Don't Give a I Don't Give a Damn. And I, I think there, there were things that she was concerned that her family, who I think were people of faith, might not like the word damn. And so we had to be a little careful about stuff like that. On the re-release, I think she put that song on um, because so it's not so much of a problem today. But she was very respectful of her mum and dad and uh, didn't want to cuss or anything like that. She definitely didn't want to do anything dancey. Um, she, like I said, she would have gone more rock, more, you know, corn, more system of a down. Um, but no, she's... Um, I think we found the vibe and from that point she she really dug it and she was working with a couple of other people who you know kind of understood the the what the assignment was and uh and I think it was great that we one once we found those songs complicated skater boy and I'm with you it was kind of like that's the vibe now let's not mess with it don't go too far away from that <laughs> you know and we just we did 10 songs actually I think maybe seven of them ended up on the record. And some ended up on the 20th anniversary edition, like makeup. Um, yes, oh my God, I love makeup.
So I'm with you. Now, this song, once again, number one pop iTunes in Mongolia, number five on the pop iTunes Lithuania, number eight in Fiji on the pop charts this decade. This song in the past four years has still charted on over 50 different countries' iTunes charts. And I bring up iTunes because I keep telling people, purchase those songs. If you can, if you're fortunate enough to be able to buy the song, buy the song. And many people have been like, oh, I didn't even know this was available or this was an option. I'm like, do it because we've learned on the show about being songwriter advocates that, you know, if mm-hmm. you can, if you want to 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 keep these people employed, make sure that they're getting paid. Yeah. And there's so many things out of our control. But what we can control is buying that album, the first pressing, buying the new vinyl, buying the digital album. And so I always send out emails to to the listeners saying hey these are all first run you can still purchase these things you can buy this on itunes and so many people are like i didn't even know that this song was on like we're gonna you know make up and things but with i'm with you trevor from sweden said james can you thank lauren christie for making this song it has been a song that we love in the lgbtqia plus community the song made me feel seen in a way that i didn't think music could it really made me feel okay to be depressed at the moment and be able to come out of it. Thank you, Lauren of the Matrix, for making this and allowing the community to feel a part of this song. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh my God, bless him. Footsteps on the ground I'm listening but there's no sound Isn't anyone trying to find me? Won't somebody come take me home? It's that damn cold night Trying to figure out this life Won't you take me by the Um, that song means so much to me. That's why I, I put it on me. As I said, here it is. Um, and Avril says one day she's going to get the matching tattoo. If I get the, uh, the, the, the skater boy star. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, that song, you know, one day, I think it was like a gloomy LA day and she came over and she said, I feel really depressed. And I was like, you know, I, have something for you this is the piano we wrote it on right here oh um this is the one and um i sat down and i just played it i'm standing on a bridge i'm waiting in the dark i thought that you'd be here by now um i sung her the verse and uh i said I started noodling on this this morning. What do you think? And she said, that's it. I love it. Let's do that. And so the two of us just sat at that piano together, her sitting next to me. And we just wrote the whole song in about an hour. It was really fast. And um, my favorite bit was, I was like, we had that, um, isn't anyone trying to find me? 
but I couldn't figure out what to say as the next line. And she just said, will somebody come take me home in this Canadian accent? I was like, ah, that's it. That is it. Uh, it was it was one of those beautiful things. And then, of course, the, um, the yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it came like a signature thing that I don't know if you're going to probably talk about it, but Rihanna ends up using it and cheers. So it's it's just that it's just such a special song. And it really was about feeling lost and um, and saying at that point, you know, I I'll go with, with anybody who who will come and take my hand. I'm just so lost. I need someone who will care for me and love me. And um, to be honest, I became a Christian in 2009. And I kind of find that a lot of people who are Christians say, oh, this is somebody who really didn't have faith who wrote this um, and then was looking for for God to reach out to them. And I I didn't see it that way when I wrote it with her. Um, But now I'm like, of course, that's so much what it's about. And that's why I put it on me because I was like, yeah, I was really searching for something deeper than even a relationship. I needed something bigger than a, an earthly relationship. And so that song's just been such a signature song for both Avril and I and The Matrix. one of those that I remember you know this was at the time and I love hearing that you know LA Reed was like A B and C these are the singles this is what's going oh, on because at the time yeah. it also gave it really gave a full rounded picture of Avril because you had complicated then you skater boy and what I loved is that at the time labels and everyone there was a distinct we know before the album comes out what the follow up single is and possibly third maybe fourth and here you all are mm-hmm. Ultimately, you were part of that sound that that the public found out who Avril was from that. And that's what I, that's a, another question that we had about the Rihanna one, Cheers, is that we've talked before about how when a song is sampled or anything, songwriters, producers, there's, you know, they're a part of that, that overall, that finished creation. How did you find out about it? Did you get told ahead of time? You know, because we we heard the story about with a separate song where Taylor Swift, you know, wanted to use right said Fred, I'm too sexy. And they said, mm-hmm. some pop star is going to use this song, but we're not going to tell you who, and we're not going to send it to you first. Yes or no. And they were like, sure. So what sort of, did you know at all who was going to be, you know, 
sampling yeah we did uh, our publishers contacted us and said uh rihanna they've used a sample of of the song and they'd like to give you a piece of the song straight away and uh they were really upfront about it and it was fantastic and of course we were like yes and you know avril of course was yes let's do it um and to be honest she doesn't avril doesn't really let too many people use samples of her songs but that one she just felt was really special and we all did and, yeah, she perfect. makes an appearance in the video too, which is amazing. I love, I love it. Yeah, so cool. It's so good. And what I've loved is, I feel like that that song "Cheers" utilized it in such a way that it was so different. And I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. people rely heavily on the original to use the sample in there. Do you know what I mean? Like this, I was like, yes. wait, what? Yes. And what I've loved is there are people afterwards. This new Rihanna Navy, the that's what her fans are called. That. They said, we didn't know the original song. And then we went back and found Avril Lavigne from there. I go, that's what music should do. That you just go, let me find that. Yeah. Uh, we have it's another... my favorite song, by the way, that I've ever <sighs> written or been part of, you know. Really? this day. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I get so weird. I even freak myself out. I laugh myself to sleep. now we're going to talk about anything but ordinary we had mm -hmm. two people that said this song they loved it because it made them feel like it was okay to be different and that being the mm -hmm. basic self was not not something that they wanted to be they wanted to be something else and uh this song actually just in the past two years has charted itunes in six different countries now this song was never released mm -hmm. as a single or anything and it's still getting love from people in different countries so anything but ordinary, when you look at yourself as a as a creator, did you always strive to be left of center, different than what's out there? Because I feel like whenever you've created something, it's always been not what I expect in such a great way. Has that been something that's always been yeah. with you to go, we're going to go that way? Definitely. I mean, I think I've always been a bit of the the bad girl. When I was at boarding school, I was the 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 naughty girl who was sneaking out having cigarettes behind the the classrooms <laughs> gin and tonic before before jazz <laughs> class um, I've always been a bit of a bit of a wild child and so I figure that I've always just been a bit rock and roll and so everything's always um, I just want to like push the envelope a little bit really make people feel something really make it like have a lot of heart and um, and I like anything that sounds different, you know, and I don't want to try and write a song that sounds like anything else. I'm always just like, what's the little angle? What's what's 
a hook that people will say, whoa, I've never heard that before. Um, and then, you know, and anything, anything but ordinary says, uh, sometimes I act so weird, I even freak myself out. That really was something I felt, you know, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm a little strange, you know, and, um, and sometimes I do freak myself out. And I know Avril and I just like totally both related to that. And, uh, and it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be different. And so I, I try and follow that through right to today. It's like, sometimes I'll be in a session with other writers and the song is perfectly good. It's really good, but it just sounds to me a little middle of the road. And so, so I'm like, oh, I gotta shake it up a bit. I gotta make it sound different somehow. Or the opening line of the chorus has gotta be something that's just gonna grab people by the throat, you know? Um, yeah, I'm always trying to be different. Well, and that's what's been been great about these relationships that you've had with all these separate artists is that I feel like you and, and, and as well with the, the rest of the Matrix is that you were able to bring something to the table that was different than everything else on that album. And we actually had Clyde who wanted to know, did you know anything about the new songs being added into the 20th anniversary of Let Go? Were you excited that makeup and everything else was out? So everyone, for those who don't know, just last year, 19 song edition of Let Go came out in honor of the 20th anniversary. And the songs that were on there were Makeup, I Don't Give, uh, which was from the American Wedding soundtrack, Falling Down, uh, Avril's original version of Breakaway, and a few other songs just in general that were added on there. So when something like this comes out, a project where they bring back those songs from that time, do you get a heads up? Do they ask you like, oh, do you, you know, something's a little incomplete there. Like, How does that work? You know what I mean? When they come back and say, do you have that song from 20 years ago? Yeah, no, they contacted us, um, Avril's people. And we said, yeah, we still have everything. And um, and yeah, we had a big heads up and we were so excited. And to be honest, I think makeup would have been another number one for her if it had been released back then i can't quite believe it didn't make the record it's so good one of my favorites yeah was there yeah. a reason why it didn't like that's that was my question because we always talk about here on the show that kind of real estate space especially around then where it's like you have maybe 12 13 sometimes 11 songs on there and they're like well we're already working with producer x y and z to give a little something different like could possibly your own songs have bumped that song out? Because to me, that would have been that happens, a yeah. second song yeah. or first song, like with her identity. That definitely song. happens. Is that um, you know we it's like Bachi Ball. We definitely knocked our, our own ball away <laughs> out. Um, and you know business things too. Nothing to do with Avril ever. Um, I think just you know. Uh, sometimes there are other producers that um, were working with um, Avril's manager. And so, you know, everyone's trying to get on the record. And so sometimes really great songs don't make it. And let's face it, you know, on any big hit record, it's very rare to, and in probably like Michael Jackson, to have, say, like eight singles in a row that mm. are released because it's, it's expensive to go to radio. And so... I think maybe only four songs go to radio. And at that point, I think the record label thinks, um, okay, we've made so much money from this. Let's cut our losses and move on to the next one because we can keep going. And rather than 
keep reinvesting in radio, which, you know, it's, it's an enormous amount of money to, to work a single at radio. And so I think that's what happens in that, in a case like that, but yeah, makeup, I think could have been another number one for sure. Well, and that was, this was at the time to your point where like it was single after single after single getting released. Then after a while, you're like, well, those Avril fans already have the album and they're buying the single. Are they going to buy the next one? And is a time, especially yeah. her age around that time, is it time for her to get back in the studio for what's next? You know, because many people didn't realize, wait, so she doesn't just record the album a month before it's released, then she goes on tour. I was like, some of these songs, they could have been a year before the album came out. Some of these songs, mm-hmm. she could be performing months before the album comes out. And she's like, okay, let's add some new stuff to, you know, the, the you know, the repertoire. So the other question that I had was Skater Boy. I always wondered who decided to use the number eight for Skater Boy. That was Tammy. Who used the number? Who decided to like make it Skater Boy? Really? Yeah, Avril (laughs) came up with that. Yeah, she was a visionary with that stuff. And a little little uh, snippet about that is that, as I told you, I was a ballet dancer. So when Avril and I were writing the lyrics, um, I would tell her about you know I was like the older chick compared to Mm. Avril, sixteen. And I'm 31, maybe. So I told her, you know, gosh, when I was younger, my parents did not want me to marry a musician. They think they were punks. You know, they wanted me to marry like a nice, sensible guy, a doctor or something. So that whole, uh, you know, she he was a punk. She did ballet. One walk in, I say that that came literally from from my little story to Avril. You know, maybe like oh, I let's sure. put that in. I just put that together. Yeah. I just, as the audience yeah. is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, I did end up marrying a musician. <laughs> I went against my parents. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was kind of like a story of if I hadn't married uh, Graham, my ex, then, um, you know, what would have happened, you know? And at the very end of the song, we added, um, I'm with the skater boy. I said, see you later, boy. I'll be backstage after the show. I'll be at our studio singing a song we wrote about the girl you used to know. So that was like Graham and my studio where we're writing songs about the girl, you know. So it was all cross-pollinated and mixed up. And Avril and I just had so much fun writing the lyrics. We're like, let's use that. Let's do this. And stuff from her life, stuff from my life. You know, it was it was a really great collaboration. Um, to work with her it, it that's that's what I've loved hearing in general is how it really was this collaborative effort and that you all you know because oftentimes it could just be a song gets sent to somebody they record it move on there's no like interaction kind of thing and I feel like that's happened more and more in the past couple of years but for you all to create what would ultimately be the identity the sound of this artist and that you're just you know feeding off each other which I think speaks to her as well as a creative being open to that do you know what I mean like because I don't know if I would have been that so young but so, so very much in control 
yeah she she knew what she wanted and um we just clicked we were we're still really good friends we we really click um um lyrically the two of us you know we can really feed off each other i love that and for everyone collaboration this song went number one on the rock charts just last year in Mozambique, Belarus, and in Kenya. And it went number 10 on the rock charts on iTunes in Lithuania. And since 2020, the song is charted in 71 different countries worldwide on iTunes. And number two on the overall all-genre charts in the British Virgin Islands. So the next time you're there, you can tell people, I wrote that song, everyone. <laughs> Which song was this? That was Sorry, for Skater Boy. That was Skater Boy. Skater Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Skater Boy. I think maybe Skater Boy might be the biggest song. Um, but the complicated and I'm with you is still up there, but it's so weird. Like I'll be driving down the street or walking down the street and there'll be like a guy on a skateboard and I'll hear someone yell out, he was a skater boy. And I'm like, it's still people know it to this day. That's pretty cool. Like older people know it too. That you know, I know that song. It's I'm part wait- of the fabric of society. <laughs> Well, and I'm waiting for like these viral moments, like her entire discography could have easy viral moments. Do you know what I mean? So then we have, there is Things I'll Never Say. This song in the past year has charted on five different iTunes country charts globally. Now, here's what's funny. I actually talked to two different people about this. I got this album right when it came out. I was in college. A friend of mine, we would just put the song on play. We thought it was an inappropriate song because we didn't know, we didn't look at the lyrics. We just took it, you know, took it all in. And it was like, I want to see, I want to blow you away. And then we thought, and I'm not going to call out my friend because this was just us experiencing it for the first time. It was like, I want to go down on you, on me. And I'm like, wait, what did she just say? Like, we didn't hear that. I want to go down on, you know, one knee thing. I thought it was like, want to go down well, on me. I was hey. like, what is she saying? <laughs> what is she saying? Wait, so I'm going to tell you, James, we did that on purpose. We absolutely knew that. If I can say what I want to say, I say I want to blow you away. Be with you tonight today. You know, it was, I can say what I want to see. I want, say I want to... I say I want to go down I'm on one knee. We knew what was going to happen, that people would be like follow through that thought to something rude, but then we'll like, boom, and like just flip it. And we just thought it was a kind of a clever, funny thing to do. And it made us laugh. And I'm glad it made you laugh. And uh, yeah. And but then it was a totally clean song uh, for for parents. You know, there was really nothing wrong with it. It was just anyone with a dirty mind, James, would be thinking the same thing. <laughs> us i'm glad you got it well and it was funny because this was the time where like you had to hold down like the rewind on the cd thing you know what i mean the kind of thing and so i just i just loved it so now i know when i i'm like oh that is that is that nasty ballet dancer that wrote that part yeah that that bad girl (laughs) ballet school yeah i love this (laughs) all right so with Oh, so then the questions that we had coming up was, we know you continue to work with Avril throughout her career popping up here and there, but the second Mm -hmm. album, did you all get 
go back into the studio with her? Because that was, was it Ben Moody and everyone or? Have no fear. We have part two coming up with Lauren Christie, where we're going to deep dive into more Avril Lavigne and Britney Spears. Now, here's a snippet of the Shania Twain song, The Woman in Me. Let me know what you think. Send it in my DMs. My name is James Rodriguez. I'll see you on the flip side. The woman. 